kingdom of the planet of the apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello, I'm Jason Concepcion. I think that's too much energy to start with. 20% less. Okay. <coughs> Hello, I'm Jason Concepcion. Uh, I don't think that was it either. 5% either direction. Either direction? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Jason Concepcion. Let's do that one. Let's do that one. Can you just let me do it? Just let me do it. <laughs> okay. Hello, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. We have a podcast coming out. It's called The Connect. And it's f***ing cool. Each week, Shay and I will talk about two movies and the theme that connects them. For example, for our debut episode, which comes out July 22nd, the theme is Work Friends. I'm talking about 1999's Office Space. It's about three friends who work at a technology company. And I'm talking about 1983 Scarface, which is about two best friends just trying to make their way to the top of Miami's very competitive cocaine industry. Another theme we'll have is Mean Mentors. I'm talking about Fletcher from Whiplash. Jason's talking about Miranda from The Devil Wears Prada. Another theme. How about Matthew McConaughey doesn't understand (laughs) outer space? I'm talking about Contact. Jason is talking about Interstellar. And yet another theme. Oh, man, why'd you do that? (laughs) I'm talking about Juice. Jason's talking about Lady Bird. There are categories and bits and contests. It's a whole thing, and it's going to be great, or it's going to be terrible. I don't know. But I'm excited to find out. Me too. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. I think I might just start putting your laugh at the beginning of every episode. Hello, welcome back to the Stadio podcast on Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks Musa. I can still tweet freely because I'm not verified. <laughs> what about you? Wow, you, are you allowed to sending, tweet shots, sending shots at Twitter support there for not verifying him. <laughs> I'm good. I, so the humble brag. Those 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 who know. Ah, uh, listen. No, you dropped me in it. You know, you let me into that. I'm not. I'm not taking that line down. So if you those obviously, I mean, everyone that's on Twitter, everyone who's extremely online like we are, will know that Twitter got hacked uh, briefly last night. So people with verified accounts couldn't tweet. And the only reason I noticed this is because I was trying to tag a friend of mine in a really wholesome thread about sure Avatar were. the Last... Yes, Bim Adabwimli. Sure shout, shout out to Bim Adabwimli. <laughs> Avatar the Last Airbender. Someone had basically done their own thread <laughs> of videos. Yeah, and I was like, I was like Bim, check this out. This thread. And I couldn't, I was like, why can't I tweet Bim to tell her? 
Hey, Bim, the uh, ho- co-host of the brilliant podcast. First Aid Kit. It's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Please check it out. First Aid Kit. Uh, good to see your laughs going mainstream. That's wild. Is it wild? It is wild, really. I mean, I just, just get up and laugh. Some people be like, there'll be a backlash right there. He just laughs for a living. There'll be a backlash. You no, know, I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to feel like the bassist in this band. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I've said this before, but yeah, we had a mutual friend of ours, obviously uh, sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but he would talk about how being a bassist in a band is really awful because everyone just comes up to you and chats about techie stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the worst. I mean, I, I'm not a bassist, so I can't speak for that. But anyway. Maybe you've got bassist energy. That's a, tr- I don't like that. <laughs> Let's move on to admin. What's the admin? Um, unfortunately, we're going to have to part ways with Musa Akwanga. That's the admin. <laughs> part company by mutual consent. We'll keep his laugh and then just sack him. Just yeah, I'm just gonna uh, yeah, we're just gonna track. basically. I'm gonna build a, a Musa AI <laughs> oh that's just God. gonna say Redondo, Atalanta, Red Star, Savicevic, and then laugh. Basically, that's all that's pretty do much for what an I do. Hour. That's all <laughs> yeah. I do anyway. Just... Oh, Captain America, a couple of those things. Bane references, Dark Knight, Dark Knights. Yeah, I reckon that's... I've got enough over seventy odd episodes or whatever we've done now to. To piece together, uh, <laughs> basically, what I do anyway. A, a moose AI. <laughs> That's <a> terrifying thought. <laughs> um, admin, admin, admin. Just the usual stadio.bandcamp.com. Yeah. If you would like to buy our theme tune, we are donating all the money. All the info is on there. Today and Monday's episode will be the last two that will go up on the Stadio feed as previews. So if you've not yet subscribed to the Ringer FC Spotify feed, please do so now. Uh, we'll record an extra final episode that will go up on the Stadio feed only, just as a little short episode. Apart from that, I don't think there is any more admin. Oh, there is some admin. Oh, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to do it after the break. But we've got our first ever Stadio competition to oh, give wow. out that copy of Caracom magazine that we were talking about on Monday. So we're going to do that after the break. Today, because there are so many games and everything's all over the place still, we thought we'd let the questions guide us. Before the questions guide us, can your haircut guide us? I see you've got a new haircut. I know the people want to peer behind the veil. How are you feeling about it? All right. You going to talk about it? I mean, no, because this is an audio format. (laughs) (laughs) That's no excuse. They go after my dress code the whole time. How are you feeling about the new haircut? You feeling good? It looks good. Suits you. Thanks. It's, I, for those who don't know, I just basically, my hair got really, really long and then Germany locked down. And then I cut it myself because, you know, I'm a boy and it just did that thing where it grew back and some, it really needed a professional to just have a look at it. It's good. It's looking respectable. Thanks, man. That is, I I love it when people say, hey, your hair looks respectable. (laughs) (laughs) It's the, what a, what a compliment. I'm that guy. I'm that confidence guy. Anyway, questions. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, the co-honcho of the Stadio fan club, Kunle Ajayo, yep. which will lead us nicely into our first topic. He says, have we seen undoubted proof that Arsenal are, in fact, the best team in the Premier League? We're recording this the morning after Arsenal's famous 2-1 victory over the champions at the Emirates with 
three attempts and two goals and 31% possession, I think, which I believe is the lowest possession figure that Arsenal have recorded in a Premier League game at the Emirates ever. That is wild. You know, actually, that's almost identical to when Atleti beat Dortmund 2-0 in the Champions League about three years ago, I think, three, four years ago. And it was like, same thing. It was like, it was 2-0, not 2-1, but it was 2-0. And I'm not going to pretend that this was necessarily as organised as the Atleti victory because Atleti are just super rigid. But I think there was something really impressive about this win from Arteta's point of view. I think like he maximised everything. You consider the fact that, you know, Lacazette's been in great form. Let's just give him a shout for a second. And Yeah, two goals fact, and assists in two games. Yeah, and like both came from like attention to detail, like anticipating where the ball would go, basically treating Liverpool's great strength, which is playing out from the back as a weakness and applying pressure that doesn't necessarily get applied to them. I just worried, I just wonder, not worry, maybe it's, it's football, I'm not worried, but I just wonder if that becomes a thing that, teams boldly attack next season because I don't, I don't know just just looking at it like just hear me out very quickly I know that Liverpool have lost a bit of intensity after winning the league of course they have because it was such a long time off and they've won this thing but I wonder how much teams go at Liverpool next year and you know Klopp is taking these games really seriously for him it's not a summer holiday he's almost like sort of started a new campaign in his head already and he's looking to f- fix problems and he's trying to keep intensity up I wonder what new problems he will anticipate and solve next year. And I'm really Mm. excited to see, because Klopp will innovate, he'll do something new next year. I'm really excited to see what he brings out next year to kind of trick people again. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the next evolution of this Liverpool squad, for Mm. sure. Because, yeah, like you said, they're going to be faced with different problems next season. But I mean, in terms of the game itself, I'm obviously, you know, really happy that Arsenal got the win. I think they rode their luck a lot before the equaliser. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But also, I just think Liverpool look knackered. Yeah, they do. They look knackered and they've got, you know, they've got key players missing now, like Henderson's out, who really knits together that side from a technical point of view, but also from a mentality point of view, I think. When you have someone like Henderson on the pitch, in the middle of the pitch, it's more difficult to let the intensity slip because he will be on your case. I mean, yeah. how many times have there been slow-mo shots of Henderson barking at someone? But these are players, and I think you're seeing it with the whole of the Premier League now. The schedule is just starting to catch up with everyone. It's, yeah. it's, it's a very difficult situation. It's obviously an amazing result for Arsenal because, I mean, they started the game in 10th. Burnley had just overtaken them in the league. Hard to too much into it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, basically, I, wrote, I actually wrote, <laughs> I wrote a piece for the rigger that I'm not even sure is going to go up now because it was kind of about the aftermath of the North London derby. I won't give too much of it away, but the, the long and the short of it was, what kind of bragging rights are there really when basically the only outcome from the North London derby was going in, going eighth instead of ninth, you know, and how the two sides have kind of fallen mm. and how that, and how that maybe affected the, the stature of the fixture of this time around, because it just didn't have the same feel to it. There were multiple factors as well, you know, no yeah. fans, et cetera, et cetera. But even though the Arsenal win over Liverpool was a really, really big result and a really great result for Arsenal, I still don't think it actually changes that aspect of it. I mean, in a way, it kind of almost doubles down on that theory where how many times have we seen teams go to the Emirates, like Swansea, for example, mm. late stage of the season, go to the Emirates, win 2-1 with 
two attempts on goal. Or actually, I think there were a couple of times that Arsenal lost at home by two goals or conceding two goals where the opposition only had one attempt on target. Yeah. From a performance point of view, there were obviously some plus points, but I don't think it was the performance or the technical aspect or the actual football of it that was really impressive about this. I think I think Arteta's talked a lot about mentality and changing the culture at Arsenal. And I think he needed a bit of a statement victory to say, hey, look, listen, this is what you can do when you put your mind to it in a way. Right. And this felt like the first time that that had happened for him, really. Well, he'd won a game that Arsenal didn't really... No one gave Arsenal hope in hell beforehand. And I think for him, the psychological benefits of that will vastly outweigh the tactical and technical benefits. You know, a bit like, for example, being able to bench Aubameyang and then bring him on. Yeah, big statement. Things like that. What I'll say to that then, I mean, it, yeah, I just have to say, I mean, all of your analysis and my thoughts on it lead me to conclude that Arsenal FC are by far the greatest team the oh, Premier God. League has ever seen. So that's the answer to the question. So all analysis basically is to, they are the greatest. Yes. <laughs> they are the greatest. Arjit followed up Kunle's question saying they do have Argentina's best player playing for them. So that that's save why. he made, the save yeah. Argentina's made late on, the footwork, the way he watched that ball through the air, the deflection it took. Actually, so shout out to him, but also shout out to a player who wasn't playing, um, Jordan Henderson, because Grace on Football tweeted a um, a Liverpool lineup from 2011 to 2012 season. Oh yeah, and you I look saw at that. that lineup and you just think, look, when Henderson stepped into the captaincy, mm-hmm. he had an even tougher role than Michael Carrick did joining Manchester United after Roy Keane. I think it was even harder because he stepped into the place of, you know, someone regard- like Roy Keane, astonishing midfielder, one of the greatest that United will ever have. Gerard occupying a particular place in the Liverpool pantheon and even mythology. And for Henderson to come into that role, into Gerard's position and take years of criticism, really. I mean, that was astonishing to do what Henderson has done. And I just have to like shout that out individually because that is incredible. Like we all saw the evolution. We saw his growth. We saw him take all that criticism, all that abuse. And he went through all the different evolutions of Liverpool. He reminds me of that. Given Swansea came up four divisions. Mm-hmm. And they had the same guy in midfield, not Leon Britton. It was um, the two of them. It was um, Joe Allen, I think. I think Joe Allen came to And Leon Britton, yeah. And Leon Britton, yeah. And it was like that, like the team around them kept changing, but they remained constant. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Henderson reminds me of that. Like at each level, that club wanted to take things up a notch. Players fell off. They weren't, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the tactical demands. They couldn't handle the technical demands. And he kept coming back for more. And that just impresses me so much. And he had that period where he was benched for a while and he wasn't starting games, even though he was club captain. Yeah. There was something there where you thought, well, you know, Jordan Henderson can't get in this to Liverpool starting 11. But to be fair, he's absolutely nailed down Incredible that position. It? I think it was when they first bought Fabinho, right? Fabinho obviously had his own, I mean, Klopp is like that. People mm. he buys often don't go straight in yeah. um, to the starting lineup. Let's have this one from Zane and then we'll move on from our teams. If you could take one player from your team... Arsenal for Ryan and Manchester United for Musa, who played in the 90s and put them in your team today, who would it be and why? It's not even close for me. David Beckham. Ha ha ha. Roy Keane. Roy Keane next to Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, I would. Ooh. Because he'd make it work. He'd make, because Roy Keane is astonishing short passer. Astonishing short passer and would just sort out so many things. I don't believe this 
oh, he'd go in and bite everyone's head off. I don't think that because if you look at who he befriended in the dressing room, he befriended people who might be seen as like the wild ones or the flashy ones. He loved work ethic. And I think that team, I mean, like Roy Keane is the reason that United won all those trophies, actually. Like he's the one player, not, not that other players weren't hugely important, of course they were, but he was the soul of it. Like he was the absolute soul mm. of that. Um, yeah, it would be him. Mine's tough because my, my heart says Ian Wright. Can you imagine like a front three of, ooh, maybe imagine if, if you took Lacquer out and played Wright, Ian Obamiak <laughs> and how much those two would love each other. Actually, let's play all three of them. Just have the boys up front. Do you know that would work? Because they, you know what? They would all interchange. They'd, they'd all play yeah. wide and sit through the middle yeah. and they, they'd press. You'd get a lot of work out of those. those I, I actually think in that scenario, you'd probably have a setup like Liverpool's front three where you have Aubameyang left, Lacazette as the central one that pulls it a little bit deeper and then Wrighty as the right-hand side. Yeah, I can see that. I think. Because Wrighty could create, actually. He was, he was a little bit underrated on his creativity, I think. That happens a lot to people that score yeah. in volume. Like it happened to Veer as well. Yeah. If you're a volume scorer. Yeah. But my head says Dennis Burkamp because... Imagine if you just dropped Dennis Burkamp into that Arsenal side. I mean, that is... And then just get two midfielders just to anchor, like sort of Matthias Almeida type players that, like the Veron had. You know, players like that that just sit and just shut down. In the modern game, I think Burkamp, I know you, you're obsessed with trying to convert people into number eights, but I, th- I don't think Burkamp it would ever be a number eight per se, but I think that he could function quite well. If you think he had the skill set, he was tall, very strong, deceptively quick, actually. Yes. Great in tight spaces, a great passer of the ball. I think yeah. he could play a little bit deeper. You know, he was obviously a second striker in his day, but in a four-four-two system. I really think his skill set would be transferable today in a deeper role, Dennis Burke. And Guardiola would love to turn, you know, Guardiola would just love to oh. turn Burkham to an eight. You know, he would, he'd love it. If Burkham was at Manchester City, you'd have Fernandinho or Rodri and then De Bruyne and Burkham as the two eights. That's you would, 100% of course, nailed of course, on. Or Gundogan is the holding midfielder, yeah. Of course he would. And no one would get yeah. near them. No one would get near them. And actually, Bergkamp was really fast over like 60 metres. There was a stat I saw actually when I was researching um, a piece of work a while back. He was actually really, really quick over long, longer distances. Deceptively. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really I mean, he weird. had that thing where he just glide across yeah. the turf, Bergkamp. I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but he really would. Like, Fun fact, he's taller than Kevin De Bruyne, Dennis Bergkamp. He was a big dude. How, how tall is that? 6'2"? Uh, Burkamp apparently, this is according to Wikipedia, so I'm, you know, maybe questionable, but it says Burkamp's six foot and De Bruyne is 5'11". 5'11"? Mm. I imagine De Bruyne is taller than that. Let me, uh, let's go to a more trusted source. Transfermarkt. No, it, even Transfermarkt says but uh, De Bruyne is 5'11". So there you go. Dennis Burkamp is taller than Kevin De Bruyne. And look how imposing Kevin De Bruyne looks in the number eight role. That could work. Good Lord. Wow. Oh God. Oh, now excited. I'm excited. Hold now. me. Might oh, have to, uh, time to, have to lay down. <laughs> let's take a break. Yeah, let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. 
It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Here at Ringer FC, we can watch and talk soccer all day. But we find that we watch a little closer and talk a little louder when we've got a little action on the match. And that's where FanDuel Sportsbook comes in. FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sports betting app for a reason. They've got odds for just about any bet you can imagine on the MLS and all the top flight international leagues, as well as some leagues that you didn't even know existed. And with FanDuel Sportsbook, you can even watch live streams of the Bundesliga, La Liga, and countless matches from all over the world, right from the app. Once the action is over, FanDuel doesn't make you jump through hoops to withdraw your winnings. They get you your cash in as little as 24 hours. And it's one thing to say you're America's number one sportsbook app, but FanDuel is actually putting their money where their mouth is. Right now, you can place your first bet risk-free and get up to $500 back inside credit if you don't win. To claim your first risk-free bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and be sure to sign up with promo code RINGERFC. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code RINGERFC. 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back from the break. Um, we're going to run our first ever competition. Caracol Magazine, we've got a copy to give away of, of issue two. We plugged it last week. If you want to go and buy it yourself, go to caracom.uk. You can buy the digi version or the print version. Uh, in issue two, it has Moose's essay about playing for Stonewall, a football club. So we would like to hear from you about who your favourite all-time player is 
and why. However, three sentences, max. We don't want you to spend a load of time on this. No essays. You've all got better things to do. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They really, you really do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you really do. Then tell us who your favorite player is and why. Email us, stadiofootball at gmail.com. And we'll read out a few next week, if we can, if that's all right. And we'll award someone issue two of Caracom magazine sent to your door. We'll choose our favourite one. Unless you live in somewhere like Hawaii and then maybe PayPal us a few euros to send you. (laughs) 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We'll post it, we'll post it. So yeah, studiofootball at gmail.com. Let us know. If you want to just go and support Caracom, go and support it anyway. It's one of the best out there. It is indeed. Before we move on to more questions, let's do a quick roundup of other stuff because Porto won the league. They sealed it with a 2-0 win over Sporting with two games to go to Porto winning the Portuguese league. In Serie A, leaders Juve had a little bit of a scare. They drew 3-0 with Sassuolo. That was a hell of a game. And Sassuolo were actually 3-2 up with about, I think, just over half an hour to go. Juve have had a bit of a week. Yeah, they lost to Milan 4-2, drew with Atalanta 2-0, and then drew with Sassuolo. So they're shipping goals. They are shipping goals at the same time. It was Sassuolo who just beaten Lazio and who've looked really good. Like really, really. Yeah, and have really scored, good. to be fair, have scored more goals than uh, Roma and Napoli and Milan. So the, the three sides are both directly above them. They've all scored. The only, the only, the only sides who have scored more goals than Sassuolo are the top four this season. Well, also shout out to James Horncastle, who basically sort of said, if you're looking for kind of new Atalanta, Oh, SAS have been super fun to watch for a little while now, haven't they? Yeah, they have, they have. And in terms of a team that presents continual problems, like the thing I love about Sassuolo is they are disrespectful in the best possible sense. They are Mm. absolutely disrespectful. They will crawl all over you for 90 minutes. They will harass you in parts of the pitch you're not expecting to be harassed in possession. And they're really fluid when they get the ball. Like they aren't just smash and grab. They really thread the ball together. They thread some great passes together. So, yeah, that's, they're, they're just a team to watch for next season as well, frankly. Yeah. Sampdoria won again and scored three again. They lost their first three after Serie A came back. And now they've won four of their last five games. The only one they lost was against Atalanta. Unbelievable. They scored three against Udinese. They scored three at home against Cagliari. They scored three against Spal. Two away at Lecce. And they have Palmer away next. But it looks like they're going to be well and truly safe. They're nine points clear of the relegation zone now. Yeah. Massive turnaround for Samp. I mean, they had a bit of a tricky run when they came back, played into first game out, played Roma away, both away. But since then, they've been amazing. Yeah, shouts to Claudio. Super Claudio doing super duper things. Another beautiful job. Atalanta, meanwhile, are up to second. With like 93 goals, is it? After absolutely demolishing Brescia 6-2 in the derby. They are wild. Like, so Malinowski has scored, I think, three absolute gems from distance in the last month oh, or something. Yeah, that one on Tuesday was absolutely he incredible. The way he caught that clean. And that's a guy coming in for Ilicic, you know, now and then, who's been, you know, in and out of the lineup. Yeah, um, is he not? Is he not fully fit, Ilicic, at the moment? Is that what's going on? Inju- might be an injury issue. Maybe he's not moving. I think he came back not fully fit. Mm. But yeah, Lazio drew away at Udinese and that means that, yeah, Atalanta are second. Absolutely incredible. 
I know we go on about Atalanta all the time, but honestly, what they're doing there is it's otherworldly considering their budget. 13th highest payroll. The fact that they're doing that on that wage bill is just incredible. And the fact that that was the area hardest hit by all of this in Europe by COVID-19. There's something quite poignant about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shouts to Atalanta. Um, elsewhere, let's go to the US quick. And the North Carolina Courage continue to dominate the NWSL Challenge Cup. They've played 4-1-4, scored 7, conceded 1. They are top of the table by 5 points to Washington Spirit. The next game is the Courage against Portland Thorns on Friday night for us, Friday morning for the US. You want to talk about the MLS quick, Musa? Just very quickly. Um, so noteworthy um, Orlando victory over New York City FC just because of the quality of the goals. And it's funny because in that game, so Chris Mueller got a couple of beauties in that one, but just watching Nanny and thinking like Nanny's 33 now. And I was thinking, has Nanny actually achieved his potential because he was always in the shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo. And I had a look after the, after watching the, you know, watching back over the goals and um, the highlights. And so this is really interesting how Nanny actually did achieve his potential. Like he is the elder statesman. He's 33. And I guess I just feel like he's been around a really, really long time. I thought he'd be older. Like when I saw he was in the MLS, I was like, Nanny's only 33? Because he's done so much and he's been so many places. Mm. Yeah, he looked good the other day as well. Three great goals. Orlando looked really, really strong, I've got to say. Yeah, I wanted to point out something actually. We got a tweet off Ursos Arctos the other day who quite rightly reminded us of, of a point that we completely missed when we were talking about the MLS coming back, which was the fact that it's being played at ESPN's Wide World of Sports is quite heavily down to that they are their biggest broadcaster, mm. I believe. So that was just a little point I wanted to, to mention because it was something that we didn't pick up on. He's actually one of our sort of, when we've got so many great listeners, um, he's someone whose opinion and advice I always sort of value. So shout out to him as well. Well, it's funny you should say that because he did send us another question. Oh, wow. Uh, he said, thoughts on the modified format for the Women's Champions League? It strikes me as an intriguing competition, but not one rooted in this season. I feel like it's a pragmatic solution. I like both of the formats, the Champions League, the men and the women's. I'm a big fan, to be honest. I don't know how you feel, Ryan, but all one city. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm totally down for it, yeah. I think it's incredible. Like it really, yeah. I, I like this format. I don't think we'll maybe see it again, but. Yeah, I think this is why with, with a lot of the stuff that's going on with football at the moment, I think it's, it's quite novelty because it's, a lot of it's new. Mm. And this kind of format for the Champions League, for the men's and women's and the men's Europa League, well, the Europa League, I'm quite into it because it's something that we may not see again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't believe in asterisks or any of that nonsense on who wins the titles because they were, you know, they weren't two legs or anything like that. Everyone's dealing with the same scenario. I think that there will be some teams who may suffer a little bit from not having a home leg. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think like PSG, for example, in the Women's Champions League could have really done with a home leg. Yeah. I remember the Chelsea game last season where there was a hell of an atmosphere there because basically all the, all the PSG ultras just rock up and created absolute havoc. Yeah. And it was a really intimidating atmosphere. And the same happens at Lyon as well. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't know, I'm not going to speculate, but I mean, you know, it would have been great, for example, if in normal circumstances, maybe this is a conversation that we've had a bit before about Arsenal women playing at the Emirates, but obviously for them, that's not actually home. Yeah. So whether that would be more beneficial or whether actually packing out Boreham Wood and making it really intimidating there would be really good. I would love to see Arsenal women play at the Emirates, providing that that's what A, Joe Montemora, the coach wants and the squad would want. 
I would love to see games every week at Premier League stadiums. Basically, whenever Arsenal men play away, then Arsenal women play at home. I think it'd be great. Nice hypothetical. Hey, and you know, if there's one thing that we do pretty well on Stadio Musa, it's nice Fra- hypotheticals. Fra- Fra- we should get that on a t-shirt. Stadio, <laughs> nice hypotheticals. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really Hey Musa, 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 nice hypotheticals, man. <laughs> hey, you too, Ryan. Hey, you too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a shout later. Yeah, see you later. See you later. <laughs> anyway, sticking to women's football, we had a question from Mike LaBeouf who said, if the members of the US women's national team decide to play in Europe for a season, which teams would you like to see specific players play for? I already have been, I mean, this yeah, is- I know. We know, we, yeah, we know. We know. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Yeah, we know what you're I'll take say. Rose Lavelle to Arsenal. Thanks very much. Lindsay Horan to Wolfsburg. Oh, that's a big shout. Do you know what I mean? You see her combining with Oberdorf. Are we just going to go one for one at the moment? Let's just do a few. I would like to see, I would like to see Megan Rapino to Manchester United because. Oh yeah. Okay. I like that. Because I just think there would be something so iconic about Megan Rapino in a Manchester United shirt. To galvanise. Also, yeah, I think she'd galvanise them because he'd be such a marquee signing and that's what United need. They're looking for that player to take them, to elevate them. Like a I mean, that would just be Chelsea. great. Can you imagine Megan Rapinoe playing for Manchester United? It just has such an, um, an amazing ring to it. I mean, obviously Manchester United's women's team is on a far different trajectory to their men's team. They've only just completed their first season in the Women's Super League, but they are well-backed by the club and tipped to progress. And well, they finished fourth this season, I think it was. Yeah, I just think that'd be really great. I've got another one. It's another selfish one because I want the Bundesliga to be toasty. Alex Morgan to Bayern. Because that one thing that they didn't really, they've got everything else, Bayern. They just don't have a consistently brutal attacker that would just give them volume, like sheer goal scoring volume. And I think she'd release all the runners from midfield as well. Those, that, 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 would, that would be a really, I think that would really balance the league nicely in terms of those two having a title race the last day. And that would go, I think that would take the title race down to the wire. I would like to see Tobin Heath. To Atleti. Ooh. You know, it's funny that those two teams at the very top, that would balance Barca really nicely, actually. That might give them, that might tip the scales. Mm. And that would actually, I'd like to see, well. I'd like to see Crystal Dunn there as well. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see, if we're talking about Spain, I'd like Juliet's to go to Real. Barca. Oh, you're going to Real? Yeah. Mm, I don't know, man. I'd like, Rail to have a year or two before they get like World Cup winners. But I want three teams fighting for that title. That's the only reason I would want that. Well, while you're there, let's uh, send Becky Zauerbrunn there. Yep. Why not? Well, the t- both of them. Both We're just going to load, we're going to load up load all up. of the European sides with the US Women's National team players and then the Champions League. Can you imagine? Good Lord. That's the thing. That's the thing. I'm thinking about the Champions League. I'm thinking about what that would do to the final rounds. If you, if you send those players just as we've chosen, teach those clubs they instantly become more dangerous mm. like they all become way more dangerous we've given Leon nothing because Leon already have pretty much everything. Leon don't need anything they don't need, Leon yeah, they don't, don't need anything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they don't need anything that's a great yeah, question I, I really like that question okay let's have this one from Joe Golden what rules from any sport would you introduce to football both of mine are from the NBA well because it's the best <laughs> league it is the best league huh it is they should call it TBL not the NBA. They should, shouldn't they? Who should the, the icon be? Still Jerry West? Ernie Johnson. 
<laughs> just a bow tie. No, no, no. It should be Doris Burke. Yeah, it's true. Doris Burke doing behind the back in high heels. We're holding the mic whilst walking off from a it should be a gift. from a courtside interview. Honestly, one of the most gangster things I've ever seen in sports reporting. Ever. Look at Doris Burke with a handle. Like the way he even said it. Look at Doris Burke with a handle. Oh my god. She was an amazing basketball player. She was. And if injury hadn't hit when it did, she could have very much ended up in WNBA. Still cross post people over, yeah. So let's think. Who else? Which other rules? I'm trying to go outside the NBA. All right. Well, while you're thinking about going outside the NBA, I'm going to hit you with my two NBA ones. Go for it. Eight second rule. <laughs> You've got to get over the halfway line in eight seconds. Yeah. You have to have a shot within 24. Shot clock. Oh my God. Do you know what I do then? <laughs> Football would be chaos if you threw it a shot clock. Okay then. From ice hockey. What a nerd. A shootout. When you oh, go through yeah, on the goal. dribbles. Yeah, when you go through on goal. With a finish and actually... Wasn't it MLS they did that? I think it takes ages to do it, unfortunately, but you can nominate, a forward can go more than once. A forward can go more than once. So nominate, but like you could have Messi do, if there were five, Messi could do three out of five. So he could do the first one, the middle one and the last one. Wow. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. I do it. I do it. I do like a one-on-one instead of a penalty shootout. That would be absolutely wild. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you could do, you could bring on subs at the end of extra time who just hadn't played and have them do it. Oh, I go Louis Van Gaal on it. So they could be fully fit. So you wouldn't have that whole thing where they're completely knackered after two hours of football. You could bring in your closest yeah. to do it. Well, especially if there's a 24 second shot clock as well. Everyone's going to be well knackered. It's going to be like be- super duper gagan pressing. Everything's going to be gagan, gagan, gagan. But it would be amazing. Once people got used to playing that instead of a penalty shootout, some of the finishes would be astonishing and some of the saves and confrontations would be mind blowing. That'd be amazing. It'd be incredible. Yeah. I tell you what, five subs isn't going to be enough for 24 second shot clock. We're going to have it's to have not. rolling. We're going to have to have rolling subs. <laughs> oh, that's another thing that I would change. There was, I think Joe actually followed up with stopping the clock whenever the ball goes out of play. And that's something I agree with in football, reducing the actual game time, but stopping the clock whenever it goes out of play. Because imagine if you started having buzzer beaters in football, right? So you're 35 yards out, you look up at the screen, it's two seconds left and you hit it on one. Oh, wow. And then there's a buzzer and then it ends up in the top corner. And the keeper soars through the air. Oh my God, yeah. as the buzzer goes, that's incredible. To win the game. Wild. I love that. Mike Breen on Champions League. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> it's over. It's over. <laughs> and Arsenal have won. Oh, who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. The weird thing was, it'd probably be more likely for Mike Breen to be commentating on the Champions League final than for us not to be in it. Oh, man. Oh, don't do this to yourself. <laughs> do you know what I would be a fan of? One thing I would be a fan of, actually, every now and again, crossover commentators. So say, like, a commentator actually had a huge passion for football and really know their stuff. Get them in as, like, a half-time pundit to talk about movement from the perspective of a different game. So they talked about football, but they brought their basketball now to it. So they're talking straight football, but just the angle they brought from a different analyst point of view would be so cool. Mm. Because one thing that's interesting, watching American commentators comment on football or soccer, like, you know, interchangeably, it's interesting because you can see sometimes people who've grown up commentating on soccer and sometimes people who've like made the switch because the ebb and flow of football doesn't require the same intensity of like a game which has got constant scoring. Mm. So you learn to appreciate nuances and like pace and like, so the best American football comment, soccer commentators are those who like understand like the space in between and the silence and they don't feel the pressure. And I won't name names, but I've noticed sometimes, you know, watching MLS and other games, 
there are some commentators who leave that space and some who are trying to make you interested just in case you might go up and watch something else. And it's really funny to sort of see how the different American commentators approach gaps in football where not as much is necessarily happening, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'd like to maybe make a break-off sport, which is like, it's football, it's played on grass. There's only eight players aside. Basketball rules, 24-second shot clock. You get two goals for scoring from outside the box. Whoa. That'd be so wild. Dude, you should patent that. Someone's going to nick that. Eh, well, have it. I've got too much to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's have a question from Shireen Ahmed. Oh, Shireen. Yeah, co-host great. of the brilliant Burn It All Down podcast. The great Shireen. Shout out to the Burn It All Down crew. Sports but, Feminist podcast. The loudest either of you have ever screamed during a football match. Which match was it? What an amazing question. Um, okay, I think it would be this. 1999 Champions League final. Manchester United <sighs> beat Bayern. Yeah, when I jumped out the first floor window, it's got to be that. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, you went all Omar in the wire. And I ran around the outside yard. And just United scored the, the first goal the extra time. Yeah, the United scored, <laughs> United scored the first goal <laughs> next to time. Yeah. Everyone just collapsed on top of each other. There were 30 of us in one room on the first floor. Shout out to the Beehive, which is our building at uni, it was called. The Beehive, because it was shaped like a honeycomb from the top. And then, the, you know, as, just as soon as I get up, United have a corner again and Solskjaer scores. Then I jumped out the first floor window and wailed and roared and ran around the yard. You wilded out. I'd love to see wild out Okwonga. I was absolutely wild. <laughs> Can't imagine you jumping out of any windows now. I know. Good to see you with these knees. Are you joking? <laughs> these knees these knees <laughs> how about yours what's your loudest mine was second leg Bernabeu Thierry Henry oh my goodness the tap dance to the defence that was the moment when I genuinely started to believe everything up to that point was yeah I mean we shouldn't be here as an Arsenal fan when that happened it was this really weird emotion where it wasn't necessarily for the goal although the goal was amazing it was the goal and the situation but also my brain realising that, wow, Arsenal are actually like a force here in Europe. Well, while, I, while we're on that subject, um, I think so Shireen is a gooner as well, isn't she? She's an Arsenal She fan is. Yeah. And just to pause on Henri, because it's always a pleasure to pause the Henri. What I love about him was that he has so many iconic European away performances. Mm-hmm. Like he loved the away games. I looked at like, I did an analysis actually of Thierry Henry's away games and Alan Shearer's over their best seven seasons. And actually Henry was more decisive away from home than Shearer was in the Premier League, which is incredible if you consider the volume of goals they both scored. And like in terms of average of goals per game away from home, like I think Henry just shades Shearer, which is astonishing. And you see him in Europe, you think of those iconic away games like Roma and Inter. Inter, Inter. Mm. oh my God, Inter, when he actually slows down, he does a stop motion. He's the only footballer, the only forward in world history to turn Javier Zanetti into a gif. Yeah. The stop motion when he stops and accelerates again. It's the only time I've ever seen Zanetti with the hair out of place. <laughs> Honestly, in however, what, the 35 years that he played for Inter Milan. Who does that though? Like, just while we're quickly there, and just on this, we're riffing about Henri. The fact that Henri broke away against Zanetti, and I've, ne- I've never seen that. I've never seen a striker on a breakaway, slow down, stop and accelerate again. It's so counterintuitive. It's such a piece of genius. It's like, I'm going to freeze you and go again. It's astonishing. Even now I look at it and go, 
that's one of the, you know, people go footballing intelligence. That's one of the cleverest things I've seen a forward do. I honestly believe Henri was one of the most intelligent football players I've ever seen. Next level. Yeah, completely agree. All right, let's move on to, uh, well, we had this question from Jess Malone, soccer sabbatical, who has been a long time follower of Stadio since, since day one. Please clarify for your American audience whether Musa wears roll necks or turtlenecks or both. So I think there's a bit of a thing to clear up here. Musa essentially is a roll neck fan. It's a yep. roll neck. There Very is much. a roll on the neck. Mm. It's not just a one continuous collar that doesn't roll. I think the definition blurs in Europe. Some people call a roll neck a turtleneck and some people don't. But it is a roll neck. I would say that there's... Although we're both wearing hoodies today. Yeah, it's a distinction for me between football and soccer. I find them fairly interchangeable. I think you might argue... Yeah, I mean, the football and soccer thing, for example, we might as well address this now because a few people mentioned it. Like, we don't care whether you call it football or soccer. Yeah, all are welcome. Stadio is a broad church. Two names for the same thing, you know. It's like calling Musa, Musa, or shy poet all alone in the big city. (laughs) (laughs) Don't out me. I am a shy poet. I am a shy poet. Pass first striker. Musa's got loads of names. I t- I've become a meme. Someone said to me, like, you're effectively a walking meme at this point. <laughs> Shout out to Adam Shingleton, who listens in. You're a walking cupcake eating machine. That's true. That's what you are. I admit it. I'm proud of it. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's raw neck. Um, let's finish on this one from Grant Andrews. Can we have both of your thoughts on how awesome Akin Fenwar is? Now, this post-match interview, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's been doing the rounds, so I imagine you have, was unbelievable. Yeah. Wickham Wanderers into the championship for the first time. The Don, Adi Akinfenwa, who has had a really interesting career. He's like a good, there's a great book, um, is it by Eamon Dunphy called The Football Man? Really, Akinfenwa is the football man. Like he's just someone who has provided service. You know when you say like players serve clubs? It's not always the case. He is someone who has just really, you know, he's scored a load of goals at different places, mostly lower league clubs. And it's been a bit of a sort of cult figure. And the funny thing with cult figures is it kind of obscures what they actually do on the field. And he's done, he's just contributed everywhere he's been and was written off. And so the whole interview is a kind of righteous rant about how he proved he could be a championship player and getting his team into the, into the, um, into the championship again, Wickham, which is a kind of a really beautiful final act. Kind of like a Ranieri type act almost. The way that Ranieri was written off for a long time and then had a sort of like his, his swan song at Leicester. And he did this beautiful interview where he talks about this and about believing yourself. And then during that, he asks Klopp for a WhatsApp message. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of players in the Liverpool camp who I really, really like. Henderson's one and Van Dijk is another. And they, I don't know who it was that actually got in touch with Klopp because I don't think Klopp really does the whole social media thing. But through them, they were like, look, send along this video. They sent tweets of congratulation. And then Klopp sent this lovely video. And the thing I love about Klopp is some will be cynical and be like, oh, he's so good at the PR. No, he just has the touch. He understood what a minute long video would have meant. And he goes, you know, you've done so well. Congratulations. It's wonderful. They extended an invitation to celebrate with Liverpool, which is just such a lovely, lovely gesture. I love it because it's like, he didn't have to do that. Akinfenwa is like a journeyman centre forward who scored a lot of goals, you know, throughout his career. And who's someone who doesn't really get his, his shine. I just love that he got it because it was almost like watching that video and that joy. It reminded me what football was about. That makes sense. Like, and if someone had said to you, you'd get a moment that pure 
after a summer like this, frankly, which has been brutal, mm. you know, clubs going to the wall, it was kind of like, this is what it's all for. You know, like it was, this is what it's, and it was so free and pure and organic. So yeah, it was beautiful. Shout out to Akinfem were like, it was a beautiful touch. And I think it's like 38 now. And he, he, might 38, be out of, yeah. he might be out of contract now. I'm not sure exactly what the situation is. And a really, really yeah. interesting career, Akinfem, his first professional club. So he's born in Islington, he's a London oh, boy. Wow. And his first club was um, Atlantis in Lithuania as a teenager. Oh my goodness. 18, 17, 18 years old, I think he was. And he's played for 13 clubs in what, a couple of those twice as well. Swansea, Millwall, Northampton, Gillingham, Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon, Wickham Wanderers, Doncaster, Torquay, Russian Diamonds, Leighton Orient, Boston United, Barrytown. Amazing. Just amazing. I'm just, just, when good stuff happens, it's good. Especially because there's so much shit going on. Yeah, that was a really, that's one of my moments of the season, actually. I think for, for a lot of people as well. If I just loved, do you know of- what I just loved? I just loved how hype everyone was live on TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of being back in Manchester where you're out somewhere at a night, someone's like dropped something really hype and there's just people with real reactions to stuff. Yeah, yeah. And a diverse group of people. And football is so dry sometimes. I was at Jeff Shrews, I think, interviewing Mikel Arteta after the game, after the Liverpool game. He said something like, was that the maximum you could have hoped for? And it was just like, what kind of question is that? I really love it when football has just hijacked the situation. Just like, no, you're not going to ask me a load of dry questions here. Yeah, me and, my, me and my boys are here and we're just going to do our thing. And it was so fun. It was like watching, it was like, do you remember when they used to do those things on Rinse back in the day where they used to do the live streams and it was just, like 30 people packed in a room passing the mic around. Yes, yes. Oh it my reminded God. me of that energy. It was just like, there was so much just real energy there. And I think you see that quite a lot in the NBA. And I think that's one of the things I love about the NBA is that you just tend to get a bit more, obviously they're, they're media trained as well, but there's, they're a little bit more candid, I think, than football just enjoy in that general. Ju- enjoy the journey a bit more. Yeah. You know? And it was just, yeah, no, you're not going to ask me all these dry questions about how important it was to get the win and all this kind of like, shut up. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to thank God and me and my boys are here and we're going to get well hype and yo, Klopp, get at me. And it was just like, yeah, yes, exactly. fucking yes. This is what Real we need. Talk. <laughs> we need more of this stuff in <laughs> football. I love that so much. What a great question. Yeah, what great get- question to finish off. Oh, yeah. big positive vibes. Um, speaking of positive vibes, we hope that we can send our stadio positive vibes out to you through through the through the headphones. Oh, I love it! I love it. No, I mean, I wish we could. But nice touch. We hope everyone's staying safe and well wherever you are. Don't forget, Stadio Sessions Two Hour Soul Special is up on mixlr.com forward slash Stadio. You can go to the show reel. Two hours of soul, well, over two hours of soul and disco music. Great, and sound, bits of football commentary. Thanks. Amazing. I think the next one we're going to do is. I don't know when we're going to do it, maybe in a couple of weeks, but we're going to do a house and techno one, but proper Chicago, Detroit vibes. vibes. Don't forget to check us on Twitter at Stadio. You can check the blue ticked Okwonga at Okwonga. <laughs> you can check wow. the not wow. blue ticked Ryan Hun at Ryan Hun. Divisive rhetoric. Hey Shocking. Man, listen, you're in bed with the, Big tech. With, the with the Twitter admin. Big tech. You know? Big tech. I answer to no one. <laughs> <laughs> off the grid man I'm off the grid <laughs> oh my god uh, stadio.football is our website but 
don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer for all of the stadio stuff on the ringer and there are other soccer stuff look out for your piece as well look out for your new Arsenal piece upcoming yeah well thanks to Arsenal and Spurs they nuked the whole thing of my piece so maybe it'll go up and I'll just get a load of people saying but we just beat Liverpool (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did (laughs) we're going to be back on Monday hope you have a good weekend we're playing out on Welfare by Antonio Castro Uh, anything to add what Kwonga nothing here we go (laughs) I'm out That's all I'm going to add this time. That's all I'm going to add. See you next week. Take care, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. 
But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.